Our sponsors for these segments are Weldon Auto Detail for auto cleaning well done. These guys are phenomenal. They really take their time. They get the nooks and the crannies. They get that car looking back to as close as showroom quality as they can. It really is incredible for the price points. Located right here in the river region of where we are. I just couldn't be happier with the quality of work that these guys do. And the, oh, the shine. Man, putting that shine back on some dull paint or getting that old mold and crap that where vehicles have been sitting under trees and just bringing the life back to them. They can be found at Weldon Auto Detail on Google and also Facebook at Weldon Auto Detail. So if you're in the River Region and you're hearing this podcast and you're looking to get work done to your vehicle, I don't know that you could go to anywhere better. Um, it's just that good of a job, man. Uh, so, you know, check them out if you're in the area or on Google or Facebook, like I said, at Weldon Auto Detail on Facebook. Also, the show is partially sponsored by Sam's Auction Depot. You never know what you're going to find at the Sam's Auction Depot. Located on Highway 31 in Clanton, Alabama, they have a weekly auction on every Friday night that I believe starts at 7 at the web address heybitterbittertellme.com. So if you're looking for something in this area and you just don't know where to find it or you just like the excitement of getting a good deal or winning a bid, check out Sam's Auction Depot, Highway 31, Clanton, Alabama, and you just might find what you're looking for. Once again, Sam's Auction Depot at heybitterbittertellme.com. Check that out and go see an auction. Thanks, guys, for the, for the respect and the support. It's about time for an intro, Reaper Rambo's Crazy Thoughts. Alright ladies and germs, today's podcast is going to center around mental health. That's right, mental health, I said it, I think it's a misunderstood part of our society today and I think in a lot of ways it gets overlooked and misdiagnosed and people just don't fully get the ramifications of an improper diagnosis or taking people to the wrong source of care for things that could or could not be wrong with them. Now, that being said, let me explain. I have had some form of mental health care for the majority of my life. Um, I can remember back as far as the third grade being put on Ritalin because I was a hyper child. Extremely intelligent, but hyper, and the answer was Ritalin. And I will tell you, I hated that shit. I hated it. It was one of those things where like, my brain is very overactive. I analyze, I think, I think broader than a lot of people that I know. Um, not to judge anybody, everybody thinks differently. This isn't a better than you conversation. This is just simply uh, what I've been through, what I've done, how I've survived it. Things that I've done to 
grow as an adult and uh, things that I've gotten right and things that I've gotten wrong. So it's just about not me in a way, but also maybe to shed a little bit of light <clears throat> on things that I've experienced and hopefully somebody out there will hear this and, and it'll help, who knows. Sorry about that, I had to take a swig of coffee because I had a little dryness in the back of the throat there and I didn't want to be coughing all over the microphone. Um, quick segment break to say this. I am in the process now. I've been looking for a while. Um, I'm looking at a more professional podcasting setup, thinking about getting a mixer, some audio equipment as far as software and boom mics, uh, the booms themselves, uh, mic socks or whatever you call those. Um, I really do want to have something other than what it sounds like in my car while I'm riding so that my listening audience can have a little more of an enjoyable listening experience without all the sounds of uh, blinkers and road noise and air blowing up to the microphone, things like that. I just hope to to rectify that and also to have some better transitions so that there's not air gaps in between each of them. So that being said, I'm currently looking on eBay and Amazon. I found a few things that I like a lot and I will likely be purchasing soon. So that part being over with, back to the subject matter at hand. So young, very young, I'm on Ritalin. Um, and it, it, it wiped me out, like totally wiped me out. I hear about kids snorting Ritalin and things like that these days, and it just, I can't understand how, because I guess my brain chemi chemistry, um, it's like a speed, but it does the opposite to me. It slows me down, like really, really slows me down. And, and I noticed that by the sixth grade, I was a heavier kid. I, I didn't, I, I was way more, um, mellow but to, to a fault like it would I would fall asleep in class I would you know lose my, my my focus not because I'm distracted but just boredom and so I'm not gonna say that it helped all the way what I wish had been a process was I wish that schools especially pub, public schools which I know the budget for that is terrible so it's all wishing of course but I wish that public schools in this region had had the ability to know the difference between overactive and intelligent versus just a hyper child with no bearing. And, and I think that had that been something myself as well as others that I remember being what we used to call the pill kids, would have had a more of an opportunity to grow their brains in a positive way versus being slowed down for basically the convenience of the teachers which I mean I don't have 30 kids to worry about all day every day so you know I can't put myself in their shoes and pretend to know what it's like to be on that end of things so as an adult now I can look back at that and go okay I could see how you know it, it might not be the worst thing for a teacher to have a little more control over their class but medicating a growing brain, I don't know that that's the right answer either. I'm, and I'm not, I'm not an expert. I'm not going to pretend to be. Back to the point, I'm only talking about my experiences, the things that I've noticed, and people that I've associated with, and stories that I've had, more or less, back me up into the same dimension. Sorry about the chime sound. That's one thing I haven't figured out how to get rid of yet. Um, but when I do... 
maybe we won't have those interruptions. So sorry about that. Um, so back to my initial stance on all this. So as an adult, I, I've had things happen to me that led me into a place of, let's say, darkness. Um, not, not hatred so much, but just I went from being a very social person with no real friends a lot of acquaintances, always trying to kind of control the room using humor or whatever else I had um, at my disposal, to a person that has learned to have a small circle and, and have a more intimate relationship with my core group of friends, like, in a way that I never did before. Like, I remember watching movies and things and seeing that group of guys that were close and they did all this stuff together and they had nicknames and everybody, you know, got along pretty well with everybody and, and they were what appeared, of course this is movies, but what appeared to be this inseparable desire to to just be a group of people together and, and, and they loved it. So, you know, something I always dreamed about, and, and I didn't have that for a very long time. Outside of the Army, it's the closest to brotherhood I ever had was the Army. Because, I mean, you got a group of guys there that you're relying on each other all the time to stay alive, you know, watch your back, help you learn things that maybe they do better than you, um, you know, vice versa, however it worked out. But there was this honest camaraderie in the midst of all of that that made what we did so pure. And I honestly didn't believe that I would ever find that again. But I did. I did. I really did. And, you know, my little brother is a prime example of that. Like, well, we are not blood related. You'd never know it. We look a lot alike. Um, but he became the family that I chose. He became my, my closest friend. And from that grew into other people that were part of that same circle. Most of them younger than me. I am kind of an old fart these days, it seems. And, and then through my wife met another good friend of mine um, who, we, who we have uh, affectionately nicknamed as Johnny Cash <laughs> for reasons I can't explain on a podcast. But old Cash and, and Smash and Chuckles and Astat and Redbeard, you know, these are guys that we've become close with and, and family in a different way. And... So because I, I have this core group of guys, like I've, I've been able to see parts of myself in each of them and things that I've struggled through and tried to help them. And that's kind of the inspiration for this segment of the podcast. So I will dive a little further into that and hope that, you know, like I said, I, I just, I just want to reach the idea that it's okay to talk about these things. If nothing else, that help isn't always a hindrance and that getting help doesn't mean you're weak. It just means you're acknowledging that sometimes you don't have it all yourself and you have to you have to reach out. So that's going to be the focal point of today's show and I hope that you guys enjoy. And I'm back. I had to take a short little break there because uh, with my business I had to swap out vehicles. I know it's probably not anything you care to know about but I find the time when I can to podcast because I also have to work my booty off at a job that I do love because I own my own business. And it's, man, it's just, it's rewarding. It's so rewarding. There are a few drawbacks. Like, you can't just call somebody and take a day off and work still get done. Like, that doesn't happen. But outside of that, man, I mean, not having a boss is 
liberating. So anyway, back to my point. So um, I've always struggled with depression. I've always struggled with um, a feeling that I'm not sure how and when it manifested, but this feeling of never being good enough, never going to measure up, never going to get it right. And I can remember that that feeling started as far back as high school. Um, I can't tell you about before that because there's a lot of that I just don't remember. And when push came to shove, when push come to shove, it, it boiled down to I had missed a ridiculous amount of days. And at the time, my high school had a, a new scheduling program that they called block scheduling. And because of the way that they did it, you would get a year's worth of, of your core classes in the first half or the second half of the year. So you'd have four classes that you wedged an entire year's worth into a single semester. And then the second half of the year would be another set of classes. Um, so you essentially get eight classes a school year versus the common six or seven, depending on what the breakdown was. And instead of it taking a full year, they would condense these classes into like an hour and a half instead of 45 minutes. However, you know, whatever their formula was. But because of that, you could, you, you had a lot less absences that you could have without the denial of your credit. So by the time I turned 18, after having injuries and things that had me out of school, after being ill, and then simply just skipping school because I got into that groove, unfortunately, um, it turned into uh, me losing my credits for two full years. And by the time I could have made up the credits, even though I had passing grades in most of the classes, I wouldn't have been able to graduate legitly before turning 21 years old. And with the way that the laws were at the time, you can no longer attend or could no longer attend a public high school at your 21st birthday. So it wouldn't have worked out for me. So I, I, I as much as I regretted it, as much as I, I thought about it, um, dropping out was my answer. And I got my GD, which I, I mean, I aced, nailed it, knocked it out of the park, pissed my mom off something serious because she's, you know, she's seeing the scores that I made on this. And she's like, you you have all this intelligence and you knew all of this. Why didn't you just stay in school? And I tried to explain it to her from my perspective. Of course, being an 18-year-old kid, I mean, let's be honest, you're still a kid. I mean, I thought I had the world by the balls at 18. And then I realized way later on that I didn't even have the world by, like, the pinky toe lint. I mean, it's just not, it's not the same. Um, as you get older, you realize how younger people make more rash decisions and, and more quick to do and they think they know but life and experience will always outweigh just not knowing and, and winging it um, so I joined the army which is something I'd already wanted to do but when school didn't work out and when it came time for me to get out of the army and the way that I left the army it really broke my heart and I didn't know what to do when I, when I was back to civilian life. I didn't know how to manage. I didn't know how to feel. I didn't know how to succeed. I stumbled, I fell, I, I, you know, I, I really, I kind of destroyed myself from the inside out. I mean, no job worked. I'd get fired, I'd quit, whatever. I couldn't stick with much because I, I just didn't know how. I didn't know how to do it. And I would get so damn frustrated or I would screw up and I'd, I'd become depressed and I'd, I'd eat it all on the inside and, and it would cost me everything. Um, 
So, you know, that part of that balls into your mental health. Like, if I knew how to be positive when I should be, and I knew how to persevere when I should have, um, you know, I probably would have had more success. But I'm also one of those people, I got to know it hurts to know that it hurts. You tell me that's hot, I got to touch it. I got to see for myself, it's going to burn me. And it's not that I don't necessarily take people's words for it. It's that I'm a person that has to do to understand. Like, you could tell me a million times how to build a website, but unless I'm sitting there and, and really doing it, having that tactile experience of using a, a keyboard and a mouse or whatever, um, I, I can't do it until I can physically do it. And that's why I've always been really good with my hands. I love to build stuff. I love working on things. Um, I just, it's, it's, like I said, it's a tactile thing for me. It's, it's an enjoyment. I'm very good with my hands. And it's that, that in and of itself is kind of what pulled me through ultimately for, to start getting help because I realized I, I stuff things down. I just shove them down on the inside, but I never monitor the health of that situation. And within a matter of time, those things are going to resurface and, and and I've started using a therapist, which I used to make fun of and think was weak. But the reality of it is, is that when you bear your soul to somebody that you're related to, best friends with, in a relationship with, there is a part of that process where they're going to have your back. Not that it's intended, but they're going to probably tell you the things that you want to hear because they're on your side and they... They want to be on your side. It's a caring thing. It's not a bad thing. But when you're dealing with a therapist, a true therapist, a licensed therapist, they're not there to just tell you what you want to hear. Part of their job is to be a sounding board for you to have a different perspective from a non-biased third party that's not in it to talk about you behind your back, that's not in it to judge you or make you feel like crap or to be a yes person. They're in it to help you cipher through your whatever, whatever that it is. That's what they're there for. And it took me a long time to accept that. It also took me a long time to let my doctors prescribe me medication because for a long, long time, all the medications that were prescribed to me to eliminate one thing So anyway, the, the point of all this is to say, you know, therapy is not so much as bad as it could be. I think you just have to believe in the process. And I've had to succumb to the fact that I, I need medication um, to help me manage in a more controlled way, um, give me a little bit more time to think, give me a little bit more time to react. And it's, it's hard because when you're a person that... When you're off of medication, when you're not di you know, when you're not fully adhering to a, a regimen of some sort, you feel normal. I mean, you don't know that that's not normal because it feels normal to you. So it took me a while to wrap my head around the concept of therapy and medication. And at the moment, and about for the last year, I've I've seen I've seen results that say that when the right set of medication and therapies are put together and you can adhere to that 
you may have some success. I think there's probably a gap somewhere in this. I did have a technical difficulty with my with my phone, which is currently my podcast recording platform. So, so sorry um, if, if I did miss a beat somewhere. But uh, I'm now going to try to connect us for an interview. It would be a first time for me on my own podcast. Um, somebody that is uh, close to the family. She is married to my little bro, Smash. And uh, we're going to try to get her on here and see if we can ask some questions in regards to ADHD and medication and, and how it affects the parent on the opposite side of the child when the child is the one that has the medication and, and the need or the supposed need for said medication. So I'm going to try to get her on now and let's see if we can make this work out. I think my Bluetooth is on. <laughs> this is going to be my, my first official interview slash joint sesh, so to speak. And to catch you up, we're talking about mental health in regards um, how you deal with it, um, what it's been like for me having been an, an ADHD kid and having grown up with uh, mental health issues, rage issues, anger issues. But uh, the main reason I wanted to invite you on because uh, I know that your child has to take ADHD medication, and I wanted to get your perspective as a parent. How does that affect you? And by the way, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself with your your handle, as I don't know exactly what it is we're supposed to call you. I didn't want to throw your actual name out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, well... I call myself Queen just because that's just always been my nickname. Um, but I guess my husband or Smash calls me Asset just because of certain reasons. So, um, <laughs> so I guess for now I'll just go by Queen because that's what I use in my podcast. There you go. There you go. Okay. So, and you game as well, right? I do. So, do you want to? take a second to plug your gamer tag or would you rather the podcast world not know how to find you on xbox live um i don't i don't know i'm kind of like a, i'm secluded when it comes to gaming it's understandable that's why i ask first yes <laughs> all right so i'm gonna dive right into this now your older child whose name i won't give out on the air um he is currently prescribed an ADHD medication, correct? Yes. Now, as the parent, do you see this as a blessing or a curse? Um, it's a blessing to me. Um, I know that there's digit. Really, it just depends on what type of medication works for your child because every child's different. Um. I mean, as you know, ADHD or ADD is a chemical imbalance. And just beca because it's a chemical imbalance means that it affects children differently in different ways. So you can't just go with, oh, well, so-and-so's kid takes this, so it's going to work for my kid. No, it doesn't work like, like that. So we have gone through like four different kinds of med medications since he was in kindergarten and the one he's on now 
it's just don't give it's, names. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. The one he's on now is is just absolutely perfect. It it works great. Um, so to me, it's a blessing. I know a lot of people don't believe in the medication. They don't believe in ADHD and they don't believe in ADD. In my opinion, it's a real thing. Well, let me, let me turn that, since you brought that up, that would kind of lead me into segueing for the next part is when, when I was a kid and it didn't, I don't remember pre third grade being on medication, but I do remember the third grade year is when it became an, an everyday thing. And I had to take a pill in the morning and I had to take a pill again at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. And we got ridiculed. I mean, we got, we were made fun of. We were the pill kids. And, and oh, yeah. if we missed the dose, I mean, our teachers knew it immediately. And it, as an adult, like, I didn't, I didn't know then what I know now. And it's that, you know, and, and I'm assuming your son's the same way. Like, if, if you had him IQ tested right now, would you expect him to fall in the norm or above the norm? Above the norm, for sure. Right. So, so that's where I'm going with this. Is that when, when I took my first IQ test, I knocked that thing out of the park. Now, I didn't know that at the time. My parents didn't divulge that. But, you know, it, it was one of those things where I scored so high that they didn't know what to do with it because what they saw and the controlled chaos of, of the school environment was I was the kid that wouldn't sit still and I wouldn't stay quiet and I wouldn't listen. Mm-hmm. And I inhibited others to learn because I was so excited or had something to say or wanted to run my mouth or wanted to run around the room because I had energy. There was not a learning environment that was conducive to the kind of kid that I was. So to segue that, what I'm going for is if there was an environment that was a non-medicated environment that would allow your child to grow and it was in the public sector, would you try to find that or would you continue on the path that you're on? Honestly, I don't know. Um, I really don't. The, the way he is now, he's very proud of himself. Um, even like with the medic with the medication and he understands it. I know he's, and I'll just go ahead and say he's seven and I've had to explain it to him in a way that made sense to him because I didn't want him to think that he was stupid because he is far from it. Right. Um, He, he's really proud of himself with what he's done and how far he has come. And I don't know that right now I would be comfortable with, taking him away from that because with with coming so far uh, you know the medication did play a part in that and taking him off of that would mess everything up I feel like for for him um now other children maybe not so much um but he's been he's been in certain environments like for instance right now he is with his biological father. He's 60 days gone. Um, and I did not send his medicine. Um, because I want him to run around and play. I want him to get that energy out. I, I, I just didn't feel the need to, to send his medicine. Um, 
and I think in that kind of environment, it's, it's totally fine. But when it comes down to school and education, I mean, he really wants to focus. Like, he wants that for himself. And I want that for him. So right now, I don't think, I think I would leave him on the medication he's taking if I had the chance to take him off. I gotcha. Do you feel, now, this is, of course, opinion-based. And, and just to point out, neither one of us and nobody that I'm close to is in any way an expert in this field. <laughs> we right. are not professionals. We are merely just people that are dealing with the, the world in which we live. Um, and in some cases, you get the right the right diagnosis and the right help. And in some cases, like this, and then where I'm going with that is to say, do you feel that it's often abused that doctors will throw kids on this medication that may or may not actually need it? Um, it's funny because my husband and I were talking about doctors and how they it's just so easy for them to go, this is what's wrong with this child, or this is what's wrong with so-and-so, let's get him on this medication. It's so easy for them to do that. But if you have the right doctor and they continue to try different things, that's when you know they're not just throwing this at my child. Like, they honestly right. want to find out. Um, I, I honestly, I don't know. I, I can't answer that because... Every doctor is different. Um, yeah. You might have that one doctor, whereas, like, uh, an example would be Damien. Or I can't <laughs> edit that out. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. My son's doctor um, from where we lived before, he was an older gentleman, and he didn't really, he didn't really want to diagnose my son with. ADHD. He really didn't. Uh, we tried everything that we could uh, for his behavior patterns. Like, you know, his advice was put him in a room by himself. Well, okay, that didn't work. Um, don't spake him. Well, that sometimes didn't work. Um, we, we tried a bunch of different things. My mom, um, I call her a witch doctor. We tried essential oils. They didn't work. And at that point, when, when he started school, he started getting tested for ADHD and ADD. And with everything that, that had come up, that's when his doctor goes, okay, it's time. We need to get him back. We need to get him medicated um, and see how far that takes him. Now, when it comes to doctors like that, that's how you know they're not just throwing it at you. They're not just going, well, let's just... You know, we'll, we'll just say that he has ADHD and, and we're going to act like, you know, everything will be fine on this medication, knowing that they don't. Um, there are doctors probably that do that. I just, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a normal thing. Right. I just, I know that back in, when I was a kid and, and see, I don't, neither one of my children have anything in that spectrum which is wild because I would have assumed that I would have passed that on genetically because I, I had it growing up I mean, yeah I, I know that there was a difference in the way that I processed and the way that I thought and how even sometimes when I knew the difference between right and wrong I couldn't that that 
extra second to think about I better not do this because never showed up. The impulse to do whatever the thing was, whether it was run off in the woods behind my house or something to that effect. I mean, who knows? Who knows how it would have worked out, you know? Right. Because I didn't have that extra second to to think about there may be a consequence. I may get in trouble. And sometimes I just screwed up because I, I didn't, like I said, I didn't have that extra second thought to stop myself from doing whatever the it was that mm-hmm. could have, you know, kept me out of trouble. And it took me, I mean, I'm in my thirties now and it's still now, like I have to make myself stop and think about things before I make decisions because my impulses are to do the thing that feels good or to do the thing that's exciting or to do the thing that at that exact moment, I think makes sense. And, and it's now granted, it's given me a world of knowledge. I've learned how to do a lot of things. But it's also given me a world of, of backtracking and making mistakes and failing and having to to learn how to get it right without struggling through the, the wrong. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? So that's like the whole reason why I brought I was kind of opening up at the beginning of the podcast about my own personal mental health and the things that I've dealt with. And I just got to thinking about the ADD side of it. And you're really the only one that I'm in contact with who has <laughs> who has that in their wheelhouse of something that they would understand. So I thought I would include you. Yeah. And it's also kind of a surprise to smash. Cause he doesn't know about this. I don't think uh, I was going to send him the link when it's all done and he'll get the piece of pride. One thing I don't know if I've ever told you is that I also have ADD. I did not know that. Yeah, I um I was diagnosed with it when I was in second grade. And all through elementary school, middle school, and halfway through high school, I took medication. I was always on medication. And then when I got halfway to high school, I kind of just weaned myself off of it. And I just learned how to, you know, focus and, and, and control that part of my brain. Just because, like you said, you know, when, when you would have to go in at lunchtime and take medicine, people looked at you like, what, what's wrong with you? Well, nothing is wrong with me. I just don't process thoughts like you do. I even remember one time, not to cut you off, but I remember one time I had shaved my head one day and one of the kids in my class um, started a rumor that I had cancer. And that the drugs that I was taking was cancer drugs and that I was going to die. And I didn't know any of this had happened. And I'm getting people talking to me throughout the day like, man, are you okay? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Of course I'm okay. But because of that rumor, like, I mean, I had to break down the rumor and be like, no, I just shaved my head. I take this medicine to keep me calm, I guess. Um, But I mean, for me, when I started seventh grade, I was done. I didn't want to take it anymore. I didn't like the way it made me feel. I didn't like the way, like, I had gained a lot of weight being on it because it slows you down so much that yes. even my energy level to go out and run around, be outside, ride my bike, it was all squandered. Mm-hmm. And it just, it sucked because I was an active child. And, and I look at, I've seen pictures of me in the sixth grade where I'm pudgy and noticeably, like, heavy. And then the following year, seventh grade, I'm taller I'm in I'm leaner I'm in better shape you can see muscle definition and the only thing that changed 
other than puberty was that I come off the medication. Mm-hmm. So that kind of happened to me too. Like my, my junior and senior year of high school. I mean, if you look at my pictures, I'm, I'm, I mean, I've never been small, but I'm, I'm thinner, you know, my junior and senior year of high school than I was even in, in elementary school, you know? And it's just because like the side effects, you know, during the day while you're at school or doing what you got to do, you're fine. You're doing your work. You're listening. You're paying attention. You come home and you're like, you have nothing to do. You're bored and you're tired. And it's basically, I call it the, the zombie syndrome is what I've always called it. You turn into a zombie. You don't want to do anything. Well, that I understand. Later in life, they started putting me on medications that were to help me control my depression. And one of them, which I'm not going to get into the name of, I, I, I used to tell people that you could have killed my parents in front of me on that medication and I would have felt nothing. It completely zapped all emotion. Not happy, not sad. You were so neutral that you could have witnessed a massive casualty car accident and felt nothing. And that freaks me out to think that there's a drug out there that could levelize somebody so much that who knows what they're capable of doing because there's no thought for the guilt, the fear, the excitement, the happiness, sadness, whatever the thing could be or the emotion that's supposed to associate with it. You don't have any emotion. It's gone. It's just not there. So... That's, I guess that's kind of the other reason why I, I wanted to touch base with somebody in that same wheelhouse, you know, because as we get older and our kids start to get older, I don't know that there's enough resource material and information out there to prepare the parents for those same transitions when their kids start to move out of that medication or move into learning to work with that. And I don't even want to call it a disability because I always looked at myself as being in a higher place just not knowing how to focus it exactly because i always find myself thinking differently from people around me like people would ask me how, how you know how would you do this and i could give them a complex answer and they couldn't so i felt like you know the, the bonus to having an overactive brain is that it allowed me to process thought at a different rate and at a different ability than those around me but the drawback was having to be able to focus it into that direction and not get distracted. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like with, with my – oh, I keep doing that. With my oldest, he um, – you know, when he started kindergarten, he didn't really – he knew how to – he knew his ABCs. He knew how to count. Um, but that's about it, and that's generally how it is for most children when they start kindergarten. Well – here we are, the middle of, we were in the middle of first grade, and it was like, I was seeing a different child come home from school. I mean, he could spell, he could read, he could write, and his math skills were absolutely out of this world. I mean, his teacher would write me messages, you know, he's above his, his you know, his peers with math and this and that, and we'd go to the store and he could add something up real quick. And... And, you know, six and seven years old. I mean, and and for fun, he'll sit there, and just for fun, he'll sit there and do math problems. 
and I used to do that too. And I think like one of the common grounds that I've found talking to other people throughout my lifetime is that people that have that same um, mental thing, that same calculating brain, overactive brain, we tend to be more drawn toward mathematics and science because it's interesting and you never stop learning. It's like reading and history and spelling. Like there's only so far you can get with that. Like once you have that down, it's kind of just super repetitive. Right. Like it's boring, but you know, math is, is an, an ever growing and so is science an ever growing, you know, thing. So, you know, you learn one year addition and subtraction and then the next year you're learning multiplication and division. And then you start getting into fractions and algebra and things like that. And it's just like constant knowledge and new ways to do a thing that you've already been doing in a more complicated way. And it's just like, it's, it was fun energy for me. And I enjoyed yeah. learning. It. That's why I took a lot of math classes and stuff in high school. Cause I really, and I did well, I always had an A average and all of that. And like science was the same way, like biology, chemistry, things like that. Like there were all these different facets in those educational, you know, demographics that, that appealed to me, whereas literature and social studies and things like that, like I, it bored me to tears. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, history and social studies and stuff like that, that was a killer for me. Man, and you think, well, it's just so easy. You just copied out a book. That's that was part of my problem. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna sit there and read the same story over and over again for a week, and you expect me to get excited about it. Uh, no, thank you. Well, but uh, not to cut this conversation short, but I am at my time, and I have got to phase out so that I can do an appointment. <laughs> so, um I do appreciate you taking the call. I didn't get to dabble into as many of the items as I wanted to, but can always revisit this subject matter later. So thanks, Queen, Queen Asset, or whatever the hell Smash calls you, <laughs> <laughs> for joining me. Um, no and thanks for your input. I appreciate it. No problem. Anytime. All right. Well, uh, thanks for taking part in Episode 3 of Reaper Rambo's Crazy Thoughts, Mental Health Edition, and I'm signing out. Thanks for queen for joining me and uh you guys have a good one and till the next episode peace bye